0: Welcome back, book lovers. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Bookshelf of Lens podcast. Today's episode is one of my favorites so far. It is with author Ali Stewie, author of Blood of Desiderium. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm very, very, very excited. (laughs) 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 Thank you. I think I want to start with like a kind of easy question Mm so I'm kind of curious um when you got the idea for Blood of Desiderium how did you take like the idea from it and decide to essentially turn it into like the book like what did that process look like for you?
1: Um it was a lot of waking up in the middle of the night and writing down random notes in my phone (laughs) because I didn't have the whole story plotted out beforehand. I had some basic ideas and plot points. Um, And then once I had enough, I essentially sat down and my husband helped me with this because he's more of an organizer and my way is more chaotic. So he (laughs) helped me take my, (laughs) my plot points and kind of reordered them into. About twenty different points, and it was enough to give me a roadmap of the book. So then I could start writing it, and then I would just kind of fill in in between, but always make my make sure I got back to the next point. And then eventually, it just became what it is.
0: That's I love that.
1: (laughs) We have a supportive hubby. That's great. Yeah, I, I wish I could say that it was a very like strategic and detailed way of coming up with the story but it it wasn't it was a little chaotic (laughs) um
0: i like that though i mean good things happen with chaos so it does How did you create, like, the names and, like, the worlds and, like, how did your, like, world building, like, go from its beginning stages to, like, what it eventually, like, came to be?
1: Um, I, for the world building, I had sketched a map of my own just to give me an idea and I tried to establish what I wanted for each court beforehand. As for the names, I thought it would be Pool just for each of them to start with the letter a um because I originally had the court of ashes and then I was like oh let's face all the other courts the same way but just slightly different and I tried to search words that sort of had a meaning or resembled the type of atmosphere that was at that court mm-hmm. um even though they're all pronounced differently they all sort of resemble a sense of whether it was like winter or like rolling hills, they all have a certain meaning behind the word that goes with that. Um, for the characters, I honestly, I just came up with whatever felt right to me. When I was writing the character arcs and thinking about who they were as a person, I just let the name form in my head and then I went with it.
0: Uh- amazing i did the complete opposite when i started drafting my work in progress i focused on the names first
1: and that could be why i'm struggling so much <laughs> no no because i think there was one character i had that he had a, i think it was eden he had a different name and then eventually halfway through i was like no i don't like it i don't think it's using him anymore <laughs> and then it is switched to eden um i think the only character i had that I did put a little more detail into it was Wuro. Okay.
0: I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into a question about a lot of I mean, they all are, but I'm more specific. <laughs> um, so As you know, I have, like, two copies of this book. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was annotating the uh, non-signed one. And as I was going through, like, making notes for um, the interview and stuff and highlighting the quotes that I had highlighted from arc reading, I noticed that there was actually, like, some little, like, foreshadowing and, like, Easter eggs. And I don't know if it's because I already, like, read the book multiple times um or if it's because like I picked up on it right away but was it hard to kind of like include little tidbits of like what's to come without giving it away completely
1: yes and no um some of those little hints and easter eggs were beautiful accidents they just I was just writing and then later on in the story when I wrote, was writing a different scene I it's somehow connected and I was like oh wow like that's awesome (laughs) and then other ones were purposefully done um but it is it's definitely hard to try and add in because you do you want to you want to put those little hints in so if someone you know a reader does go back to read it again they might pick up on it um and that's when a later stage of drafting when I go through the book again as I go through it, if there is a section where I'm like, oh, I could add this little connection in here, then I'll do so. But yeah, some some are a little more strategic in thinking and then others, you don't even realize it's a connection until you start going through editing and you're like, oh, that kind of, that works out. <laughs> That's so
0: cool for like, cause I could like, they were so well done too. Like if, I feel like if I, either didn't already have it underlined on my kindle or if i didn't like catch on on like my initial read through i feel like i never would have noticed some of them because there's stuff that i'm noticing now that i'm like wait i didn't notice this on like my second or third read through Kind mm-hmm. of so cool i love it thank you <laughs> um some of these questions are a little spoilery. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious about those too. <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to actually do a spoiler now. Um, some questions are about things that happen towards the end of the book. So if you have not read it yet, please go buy it and read it. Um, and maybe like skip a few minutes, if you don't want to hear spoilers, possibly. Um, okay. Um, so I put my best friend on for this book. I forced mm-hmm. her to read it, and she thanked me, but also sent me all of her reactions, and they were great. Made <laughs> her cry. And it was wonderful. Um, so these two questions are from her. And she was curious about um, why Miriam and Lydia, well, why Lydia was like killed so soon. And if um, they wind up coming back.
1: <clears throat> okay. Um, for coming back, I can't really answer that um let me think i'm trying (laughs) to think of. i want to think of how to word it let me come back to that part um but for lydia um and why her story arc ended so soon in book one i i wanted to showcase emma's childhood Mm -hmm. um briefly enough for readers to get a glimpse of the first five years of her life and how she was able to be a kid and there was no hardships. I mean, aside from not having her parents and stuff, but she had Lydia. So I just want to showcase that, elaborate it. Um, And when King Orrin comes to search for Emma, they're in Helestra, with, where powers can't exist. It gets cut off, and he's not kind, so he's not going to let her live. But I still want to show that she goes down fighting to try and protect Emma. Um, and then again, obviously, that just puts another loss on her shoulders, but it's all to just sort of build the characters in the story. Um And then as for, as for them coming back, you'll see them again in book two, but I can't answer how or why. Okay, okay. And then
0: um, this one is a little more um, spoilery if people haven't finished the book yet. So again, this is another spoiler warning. Um but the next question is also about Miriam. Um, Does her death signify anything in relation to Emma's, like, new journey with
1: Drayden? I don't think it really signifies anything with her relationship towards him, Um, but in a way, I think it could signify just how the the book ended. Yeah. She's you know she's the goddess of light and she dies, so it's kind of showcasing a little bit of the light. And Emma also diminishes inside mm-hmm. her, the darkness to take over. Um, but I think it 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 just shows more of a self journey than so much with Draven and whatnot.
0: And that's kind of the vibe I got when I read it for the first time too. It was like, oh, she's about to she's about after after I got over the cliffhanger, I <laughs> processed what happened and I was like, she's about to have a journey.
1: Yes. And I don't and know if part way. of that journey. <laughs> but uh, you'll you'll see. <laughs> um This one
0: is one that came to me during annotating, like, roughly 30 minutes before we started. Um, And I was curious. So, King Orin is obviously not a good person. Um, And Aiden's father, Captain Calloway, I feel like he knows how he treats Emma. And I'm kind of curious if, like, secretly Aiden does too
1: he kind of has those grimy ways about him. That's a great question. Or um, observation. Um, yeah, I, I at one point had thought about him knowing, but then I treaded in the other direction of, even though Aiden is following his father's footsteps and he's he's growing into a similar type of guy with the same characteristics um he's oblivious to a lot and in my head I felt it would be more stress on Callaway to deal with his son if his son knew that at the time his you know fiance was being treated that way to that extent because Eden knows he knows that the necklace takes her power and that King Warren isn't kind but in his eyes, there's nothing he can do because that's his king, and he just doesn't know the extent of his abuse on her. Okay. That makes sense. He's kind of like
0: blissfully ignorant, but not necessarily by choice. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. He's still on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um that's what I was curious about from like my first read through too um because I love the way you did it it was like it was it, oh, it was so good um but what made you decide to keep um Dark Prince's like quote-unquote alter ego separate from him for like a later like reveal because I loved it
1: <laughs> that's that's sort of where I wrote it because the thought of that I fell in love with it and him just kind of having this secret identity I know um it could I I hint at it and it could easily be picked up on um but at the same time the concept is still there his character arc for him playing both sides is still there and I just I it just felt so him as who he is yeah and I, I had to make it that way.
0: <laughs> I am not complaining. At- I yeah. yeah, a lot of my um, like my notes from like some quotes in the beginning were just like me calling their uh their relationship from like the beginning. I was like, wait, these are things that usually happen with a bond in place. And I was like yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> <I> was
1: <waiting laughs> here. Yeah, that that part was definitely tricky to kind of navigate because I mean it's my first book, but I was trying I was trying to hint and obviously readers and seasoned readers are gonna pick up on a lot of things and they're gonna guess it. But I just wanted still that slight buildup to happen for how the ending is. And what he says. And the reveal. And he he knows all about mates. But he also knows that there's the feeling of it. Of a bond. And he wasn't feeling it. And then she, she just doesn't know. Yeah. She doesn't know much about it.
0: It was so good. I can picture that scene. Like towards the end. For him. Like. Oh. I cried. <laughs> I cried. Oh, <laughs> no complaints. Still no complaints. Um, little little fun question. What makes you decide to end books on a cliffhanger?
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I. Hmm. As aside from writing as a reader, I love cliffhangers. Um because I like the pain they provide me <laughs> for wanting the next book. And just the thought of like when I pick up that next book, things will be answered. Everything, you know, is gonna come back together. Mm-hmm. So for this, originally I was going to make it a three book series. Um But how I ended book one and then as I was plotting book two, I was like, no, this is perfect. We'll have one cliffhanger and then everybody can get there happily ever after for the next book. So I got to create a little bit of tension there with the reader for the ending. (laughs) Can you say happily ever
0: after Mm -hmm. and my brain goes, something is going (laughs) to (laughs) happen? I'm so ready no comment. <laughs> I'm so scared at the same time hmm. um, you don't have to if you don't want to but have you ever stuck someone from real life into a book aside from yourself and if so if you're willing is there a story to tell behind it
1: Um, none of my One of my characters, uh, is definitely has characteristics of a past ex, but I not his full character, I just took the bits and pieces that um resemble him and how he was. Otherwise, my other characters they're uniquely their own but I did pull some truths with just different situations in life to put in there. Um, and then for Emma, I think a lot of her thinking and how she responds is a little bit rubbed off for me, which I didn't intend, but that's how it turned out. Um, but yeah, so there's, yeah, there's some bits of reality pulled in into the fiction story. But I feel like with every kind of any type of fiction book that there's a little bit of truth to it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's what makes um that's what makes it so relatable for readers. Mm-hmm. It's a
1: little
0: tidbit of like reality. Yeah. Um, what kind of books do you like to read, and are they in, like, the same genre that you write in? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm actually reading One Dark Window right now, um, but I do. I like to read a lot of fantasy. I also, I mean, I, I read almost anything that, except nonfiction, <laughs> <laughs> but I've read, like, historical romances, rom-coms. Um, dark romance, the lighter kind of fantasy, the YAs, I, all over the spectrum. But it's, um, I think it's good, though, to branch out and read different genres and see other authors' writing styles and its its growth in, in your own way, kind of like writing. The more you write and practice, the more you're going to pick up on for yourself and learn um, how you can create your own story and then reading kind of provides more of that knowledge as well.
0: I agree. Um, What does your browser history look like during and after writing like with the CIA like what the CIA flag is?
1: <laughs> For like Google? Yeah. <laughs> after
0: writing? Either um, during writing, after writing, like, do you search stuff that's been, like, flagged by, like, your phone or computer CI agent?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of synonyms, like, looking up what those are <laughs> for various words, so there's not a lot of repetition. what's um, pretty boring, though. Unless I have to try and look into, because writing for this story, it's not modern times, so I need to try and figure out certain things. Right. And know what some stuff is called or how they would go about something. Um, yeah, that's basically it, though. It's just um, looking up words. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, though.
0: That's okay it creates beautiful art so
1: it's okay are you a plotter or a pantser i'm more pantser than plotter but i will say i lean towards plotting in a sense like i said earlier when i outline i don't outline the whole story so if there's you know 45-50 chapters in a book I'll have 20 plot points for different chapters so 20 different chapters are plotted out from start to end of the book so I'll have my main sections that I want in the story and then I sort of pants the inside of the book so I can get to each scene I relate to that (laughs) I relate to that I've I've tried to plot every single chapter and at least put a bullet point or two um, under each one. And I can't, my brain can't handle it because my characters tell me to do something else in that chapter. And then it kind of ruins the plot point I had for the following chapter. So I just, I need my plot points distance from each other so I can let my writing just kind of be free and get itself there on its own.
0: (laughs) That's actually really helpful as someone who's sitting there trying to plan out their whole entire book pretty much in, like, chronological order. That's pretty helpful yeah. cool. just kind of find, like, major points spaced out and then just kind of allow your characters to fill in the gaps. That
1: mm-hmm. kind of... that's yeah, helpful. especially because when I, like I said, when I wake up in the middle of the night, it could be, like, at 2 a.m., my brain will sometimes subconsciously be thinking of the book and I'll randomly come up with ideas or if I'm out and about an idea will will spark and I'll put it in my notepad and, but it's for that scene. So, but if I had plotted that scene out beforehand then it would kind of be confusing and I get really overwhelmed if I try and do a crazy detailed outline. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more I try to
0: outline, the less motivated I am to write. So I I definitely relate to
1: that. Yeah, it'll, it'll give you some more freedom and less restriction on the story.
0: It starts to feel too forced after, like, trying to sit there and write out, like, your whole entire story and, like, an outline them and then take it and, like, turn it into, like, your book. It just feels like you're not giving your characters their voice.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Hmm.
0: Do you have any writing rituals or habits that you do, like, right before you start writing? Like, maybe you grab your
1: blanket or your favorite drink, your favorite snack? Um, I have to have comfy clothes on. I can't be sitting down in a pair of jeans, that's for sure. (laughs) I need to be comfortable. And that's usually just like a massive hoodie. Um, If I'm writing in the morning, I definitely have to have coffee or some sort of caffeine. But other than that, no, I, I pretty much just write when I can. But I do find myself when it comes to drafting the story for the first draft, I use my laptop. Even if I'm at home all day, I'll use my laptop and write the story out or, you know, if I go somewhere, but when I edit, I my laptop just sits and collects dust because I'm I use my desktop to edit. I don't know why I do it, but I just I use both for different things. <laughs> do you have a favorite writing spot? A favorite writing spot? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm doing a first draft and have my laptop with me, like going somewhere or you just mean in general? In general. Um, well, for my desktop, it's <laughs> I can't move it. So I'm just, it's in my bedroom. Um, and then my laptop, I like to just, if I'm staying home, I'll just sit on the couch. Um, otherwise, I've tried to go to coffee shops and sit and write. And sometimes that's helpful because I feel like I, if I'm at a coffee shop, I, I can't just be sitting there doing nothing. I have to look productive, which makes me productive. <laughs>
0: right.
1: Right.
0: That's, yeah, I've never, I've never written at a coffee shop.
1: It's on my list of things to do,
0: but I've never actually.
1: Yeah, I, I don't do it often. I'm drafting but sometimes if I kind of hit like a block in writing then I'll go and see if a change in scenery helps and being around people because again I just I feel people's eyes on me I need to look productive so I don't make eye contact and then it it makes me (laughs) protective I like that
0: like that it's a good it's a good trick for your brain yeah um before I ask you um what things or events from your life tend to like inspire your writing either for BOD or book two
1: or in general it it depends um because a lot of stuff I just um I know my past has definitely poured into the book um but then also there's like random instances that in scenes like things that I've said just like small phrases that I found really funny so I tossed it into the book um, or the scene in book one where I was reading a, a book under the tree mm-hmm. and Gavin comes out of the forest in it, and I thought it would be funny to put that in the book so there's just random little things but overall the book just kind of snowballed into what it is as I was writing how did
0: you notice your plot evolving through your edit how did I what how did you notice your like plot evolving
1: through your edits, um, the plot from just the first draft, yeah, it changes drastically through edit. I would say for book one and book two, just doing de- developmental edit, easy. Um, so it definitely expands more. You get the finer details. Sometimes, if I need to add in the small connection, it gets added in. Then, um, but yeah, from start to finish, when it's ready to publish, it it does change a lot because each editing stage you're including more stuff every time. Except yeah. proofreading, but yeah, and then you add in more of the details for emotions, so your characters kind of dev- are developed more, and it's pre- it's pretty cool to see when when you go through it.
0: Did um Emma or Draven start off as something different
1: before they became like? Mm-hmm. No, they are always they're they were the two characters that I was set with from the start. Um, I always had the idea of them in my head, and yeah, they they were always just meant to be who they are. They never they never changed. I never second guessed them. They just I just went with it. I'm, I'm so happy you did. <laughs> um,
0: what experiences in your life led you to where and who you are today as a successful author?
1: Well, I have always liked writing. Just even in high school, English was my favorite class. Um, I actually didn't read too much as a kid. But as I got a little bit older, I started to dabble into it. Um, my mom always used to write poetry a lot, too. And so she would read me her poems. And that kind of intrigued me into more of that side of writing. And... Eventually, life kept happening, and as years was going on, I got back into college to get my English Lit degree, and I found out that my favorite classes were the creative writing classes, and we had to write all these short stories, and it just kind of sparked something like, this is pretty cool, and I was like, oh, maybe I could be, I actually considered being an editor instead of a writer <laughs> and then I you know found out what an editor does just seeing what my editor how amazing she is and the details I'm like I I literally can't do that <laughs> but I I started having ideas for books and I instead of writing that I was writing more of poems and had like a wordpress account at the time and my husband was like, You should write a book. And I was like, I honestly don't think I can do that. I was like, You have to come up with all this dialogue and details, and there's a lot of words. <laughs> and because at the time I was only writing some short stories for school and different things. And he's like, And he's a very optimistic person. And he's like, You can do it. You can definitely do it. And then I don't know, it just started, it kick started something. And when I finally made a an account on Instagram for just reading and whatnot, I started seeing others becoming indie authors and publishing their own books. And I didn't even know you could do that. And that sort of influenced me as well, like, well, why can't I do that? And then I just started I just started writing. I just went for it, and here we are. <laughs> We're
0: kind of similar to started writing with um
1: stories and
0: that i would like make up as a kid or um poetry was a big one that started in middle school for me
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's so fun to write poetry and it it helps you express things that you don't know how to voice yeah and it can be in however way you want to word it but it's mm-hmm. a beautiful
0: there's so much creative freedom with it too i feel like yes there are poems that have rules but for the most part like you have like so much creative freedom of poetry because it's literally just it's just in capturing like feelings into words and it's it's so it's i love it
1: absolutely Mm -hmm.
0: um what's were there any songs that inspired your book
1: definitely listened to at the time it's who's it's by zane and i don't know if i want to say Sia, but the dusk till dawn song yeah i I listened to that one a lot um and then eventually i started creating a playlist for the first book and for book two but when i write i unfortunately can't have music with words yeah. because it's very distracting to me so I have to, to use um, songs that are spoken in a different language to where I can still hear the feeling of the song so even though I don't know what they're saying I have an idea of what they're expressing just from the tone of their voice and that kind of helps inspire me as I write and then otherwise there's a playlist called Dark Fantasy Instrumental Ooh. And I'll put, I'll put that one um, on when I write too. A lot of the times I'll put that on if I'm writing a battle scene because I despise writing battle scenes. And that kind of helps <laughs> helps me get in the mood for it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if there's really a set song, but it's more of just the tone of a song. Okay. That makes sense.
0: Um do you have any plans to write in any other like different genres?
1: Yes. Yes. Ooh. I have like well, I have about ten thousand words written in a dark romance. Ooh. I know I haven't mentioned it anywhere, so this is a first. <laughs> <laughs> but with this one, I plan to not share about it too much or market it or do anything until it's maybe even in the editing stages um i want it to be more of a surprise and i want it to be good because it's just going to be a standalone and then i have um with other fantasy aspects too i have other ideas and yeah i've got like five different books that i've i've written down in my notes to eventually work on and some of them are different genres and some aren't but it's exciting i'm excited yeah. to dabble into something that's also modern and not, <laughs> <like> <laughs> not here again.
0: well basically you have all of my money for forever so so <laughs> <laughs> What is the best piece of writing advice that you've ever received?
1: I'm trying to think of things that professors have said and whatnot, but really, the anything that really stuck with me is just what, what Hemingway said, that the first draft of everything is shit yeah my language, but it, it I used to have that just next to me all the time because I don't feel like I'm I'm not a perfectionist in any way when I do my first draft but I am very conscious of what I'm trying to write instead of just writing it so right. I have to remind myself I need to just not worry about the fine fine details that will get added in for developmental edits but just to write to get the scene out so that kind of helps me just knowing that no matter how much work i put into this first draft it's never going to be perfect it's never going to come close to what it will be when it's ready to be published never never so it it kind of helps my brain just get the story out Mm -hmm. and also when it comes to starting to write something fresh and you have a blank page, I feel like that's the most nerve-wracking thing to write that first sentence, but once you write it, no matter what it is, you can always go back and change it, but it will help you write the next sentence, and then so on and so forth. It's just those first however many words. You just got to get them out. I'm feeling very inspired right now.
0: (laughs) Um, what is something you're most proud of
1: in your life? Oh, I'll let you do. Life? Oh, don't worry. Huh?
0: I'll let you do more than one. Don't worry.
1: No, you're good. Um, well, not writing wise, but just my kids, just having them and seeing how they're growing. That. it makes me incredibly proud to see them blossoming and who they're becoming. Um, And then just, I mean, I'm definitely proud of myself and going after something I honestly didn't think I could do. I mean, the words out of my mouth that I told my husband, as I mentioned earlier, was I could never write a book. And so I'm proud for just kind of overcoming that in my thought process of, of everything and just doing it. But there's a lot of small aspects in life that I'm proud of with, you know, my husband and things that he does and just, yeah, just all of that kind of stuff. I love it. I love it.
0: -hmm. My last question for you is if there's anything coming up that anyone should be on the lookout
1: for, anything you want to promote. Um, on the lookout for, except for the books you're releasing on March 1st and that the pre-order is available now for ebook. Otherwise, I have no other news to share. Um, I'm just excited for people to read the rest of the story and to see how it ends. Already. So
0: <laughs> we'll have your, you have link true? Your little like link thingy. Mm-hmm. I'll have that link in the description of this episode for everybody to follow you, check out your website, and stuff. Thank you. Well, also, if you don't mind, I will also link um, a lot of Desiderian from Amazon. Absolutely. In the description as well. I really appreciate you talking with me today. Thank you for it was-
1: having me. This was fun. It was my first podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored, truly. <laughs> truly. Um, I, a fun fact. Every time I see someone asking for a book recommendation, Blood of Desiderium is usually like number one, if not the only book that I recommend. Like I have not shut up about this book since I
1: read it. Um, Oh my God. I I love that though. It it honestly makes me so happy because it just makes the fact of me actually writing it and putting it out there when I didn't think I could just so much worth it to have you love it so much and loving it enough to want to tell other people to read it. Because I never in a million years thought that this would happen. So it it really does mean a lot. Definitely my like, favorite book.
0: Honestly, it's still tied with A Court of Silver Flames. Like they're both tied for number one. Because I relate to Emma in the same way I relate to Nesta. and it's just...
1: Oh, then I'm very curious to see how you're going to feel for book two. I hope you love it just as much or even more. <laughs> i'm so excited but i'm so scared oh. <laughs> don't be scared maybe a little bit but <laughs> it's
0: okay I, i'll take care of you <laughs> famous famous i'll shatter your heart but i'll try to put it back together it's fine i got some super glue here somewhere <laughs> yeah, with duct tape. i'll take
1: it <laughs> Well, I appreciate you talking with me and you're always welcome back. I would love that. Thank you so much.
0: Of course. Thank you guys for listening and I will see you in the next episode.